Have you ever accidentally shared something with people and had it come off as sort of extremely odd without meaning to? Like you were going for sort of quirky fun anecdote and where you ended up was really weird. Please don't sit next to me. When I started my last job, I accidentally disclosed to my co-workers that I had a fantasy about Dwayne The Rock Johnson deadlifting me and holding me above his head like a weight. And then when I realized everyone was kind of staring at me in abject horror rather than backtracking, I decided to double down and yell, it's not a sex thing. I just think it would be nice. So that was a really good first impression that I made. Uh, I think it was like my second day or something. But all of those people were kind enough to pretend like I wasn't a totally off-putting individual. And for my birthday, they ended up printing out a picture of the rock for me, uh, which I stuck to my desk. And it remained there for the rest of my time in that job. And so having Dwayne looking at me every day gave me ample time to ponder my favorite question. Why don't we ever see the rock smooch? Uh, I'm Alex, this is Pop Culture Boner, the podcast edition, and today I'm thinking about Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So I was trying to think about how to like start this episode, because actually I unabashedly really love The Rock. Like, do I need to do a little intro? Do I need to talk about why I love him? Could I even articulate why I love him? Probably not. (laughs) But there's just something that's kind of distinctly wholesome about him, you know? He started off playing college football, and then after like a massive injury, he pivoted to wrestling, and then he dominated wrestling for most of my childhood. And then in my early teens, he pivoted again into movies, and not just into any movie, the greatest movie franchise of all time, The Mummy. Granted, it is the worst film in the Mummy franchise, but you know what? He's in a wig. He committed, okay? I don't have to justify myself to you. Fuck off. It's great. It's been 30 seconds. We've gotten off track. Let's rein it back in. What I'm saying is there's something that's kind of incredible about that kind of adaptability and longevity in a career in entertainment. He's ended up as one of the most highly paid actors on earth. I think he might actually be the highest paid TV star. He makes something like 650k an episode for his show Ballers, which is on HBO. You don't make that kind of cash if you're not getting viewers. Uh, So Katie Weaver wrote a really excellent profile about him back in 2017, I think, for GQ. She spends all this time riding around with him, and I really recommend reading it to get the full effect, but I'll give you a little quote. Johnson tested well in what the film industry refers to as all four quadrants, old men, young men, old women, and young women. Broadly, the quadrants thing means that everyone likes him. Specifically, it suggests that if Johnson's personal magnetism were any stronger, birds in his vicinity might plummet from the sky, their internal navigation systems thrown off by the force of his personality. So I'm not alone in my love. I may be alone in my desire to be lifted like a weight, but I'm, I'm okay with that, you know, to each their own. <laughs> so, but for someone who's more often than not a leading man now, there's something that's weirdly sexless about The Rock. Now, I would never insult Dwayne by implying that he doesn't do well with the ladies in real life. He's like six foot four. He's built like a tank. 
He has, I assume, several million dollars, which never hurts, you know. Like, he's definitely got fans. But somehow this really hasn't translated into, like, an on-screen romance, even when he's in the leading role with an alleged on-screen love interest. Now, you could argue that this is because he's often in action films and they don't really have a ton of space for romance in the plot. But even then, there's kind of an astonishing lack of sex or even the memory of sex that writers usually throw in there to kind of pad out the virility of action heroes. Let's take Vin Diesel as an example. He's been in the Fast and Furious films with The Rock, and I will talk more about those later. But in those films, he has an on-screen love interest who's played by Michelle Rodriguez, and we are constantly reminded that they not only fuck, but that they are in love. And when he's turned evil by Charlize Theron in the last film, spoilers, sorry, were you invested in the nine-film story arc of The Fast and Furious? Is there even a story arc that stretches nine films? Why is Oscar winner Charlize Theron in this movie? Anyway, when Charlize turns Vin Diesel evil, she's so drawn in by his sex appeal that she can't resist using that opportunity to kiss him. Even if you think about something else that Vin Diesel does, like uh, the Triple X reboot, for example... Within the first 20 minutes of that film, he's having an orgy with a group of English women for information. And in both of those films, these are kind of built into the plot to either give him emotional depth or to establish him as somehow desirable, kind of like a blue-collar James Bond. You don't get that with The Rock. If we look at his role in the Fast and Furious films, he's got a daughter, which means that at some point we can assume that the character had a meaningful relationship with a woman. But he never really expresses interest in women in the series, aside from, like, saving other female characters sometimes. And it's implied in these acts that he does care about them and it's not generic hero shit, but there's no sex there. So, where is it? Well, I've done some incredibly scientific research, by which I, of course, mean I've seen every film in the rock cinematic universe. It is a cinematic universe. Don't ask me how. Anyway... I've broken his characters down into three kind of broad categories that stretch across all of his films. The first one I'm calling Big Hottie No Touch. It does what it says on the tin, all right? The Rock is large, and it's heavily implied by the women in his vicinity that they think he's extremely hot. However, and this is important, no one must ever act on this feeling. At one point, The Rock might catch the female lead as she falls and they'll have like a moment of intense eye contact. And this is designed to kind of allow us to think that maybe they will bonk later. But no one must ever touch their lips to The Rock's lips. This one is maybe the majority of Rock films, I think. My favorite recent example was Rampage, where Dwayne can talk to a large albino gorilla named George, who is his best friend in the whole world. And George becomes infected by an alien space virus and he gets really big and a bit mean. But The Rock can save him and also the world, by which I mean one or two of America's large cities. There's no love interest in this movie, but there are several extended sequences where women attempt to hit on The Rock in a fairly obvious way. The Rock says no because his only real loves are teaching gorillas sign language and fighting alien viruses. But no one smooches The Rock. The second one we'll call One Kiss No Tongue. 
This is essentially a variation on the first category, but usually with an added element of antagonism. The various women in the film think he's a bit hot, uh, and so does the female lead, you know, at her core. But mostly, she just thinks he's annoying because she's a strong, independent lady and he is getting in her way. But then she, like, almost gets blown up or something and they'll make eye contact and have a single kiss. It takes, like, five seconds total and we never mention it again. (laughs) I'll use Hobbs and Shaw as an example here because I like the fight scene so much. This is a Fast and Furious spinoff that's designed to give The Rock and Jason Statham some more screen time. Uh, Jason Statham's sister is this, like, feisty love interest of The Rock. And she initially attempts to beat him to death by climbing him like a tree and smashing his face repeatedly with a motorcycle helmet. This is foolish. The Rock is impervious to motorcycle helmets. But that kind of, I guess, skin-to-skin contact is designed to give us this idea that they could probably fuck later. They do not, but when they think they're going to die, they share a single chaste kiss and then it's never mentioned again, as it should be. The third and final category is my favorite. I'm calling it Divorced Dad is here to tell you he's sorry. The Rock and his wife have gotten a divorce, but it's not because they aren't in love. It's because of some external factor. Like he loves his job too much and his job is saving people. Or he's being too hard on himself about the death of their daughter. Basically, they broke up because of some external factor. Uh, Mainly, he's too good of a person. (laughs) The Rock is going to show his ex-wife that he still holds a candle for her by coming to her rescue during a natural disaster or a terrorist attack or a kidnapping. Take your pick. They won't kiss, though. San Andreas is probably my favorite example of this trope. The Rock plays a helicopter pilot, and he saves his ex-wife from the top of a collapsing skyscraper that kills Kylie Minogue. Meanwhile, his ex-wife's new boyfriend is somewhere else being a jerk who leaves The Rock's children to fend for themselves. Oh, I say themselves, there's one of them, but there are two. Anyway, it's complicated. Never mind. He's also killed by a collapsing skyscraper, the evil boyfriend. Eventually, The Rock and his wife manage to sort of resolve their differences when she convinces him to forgive himself for being unable to save their young daughter from drowning 10 years ago. Having punched the San Andreas fault in the face, The Rock and his ex-wife are reunited with their one remaining daughter and her love interest that she's developed elsewhere, as an American flag unfurls across a drowned California. They have one kiss, but it's so brief, to the point where she still has her eyes open, that my mum had to text me and remind me it even occurred. I don't think you even see their lips touch. I think it's just his head pops in screen and then pops back out again. It's wild. There are, of course, exceptions, but usually they either serve to prove the rule or they're playing up something for comedic effect. Take Baywatch, for example. The Rock has a partner in this, and for the life of me, I cannot remember if they were married or not, and I'm not watching it again to find out. It's my least favorite in the Rock cinematic universe. That's the RCU for those of you playing along at home. Anyway, at one point, they have to pretend that they're making out in order to avoid the detection of drug dealers or something. And they share this sort of steamy kiss. And when I tell you that I screamed in the cinema, I'm not even kidding a little bit. 
I was so horrified by having to watch The Rock kiss a woman that I was unable to control my reaction. It's an exception, and it proves the rule. Another good example is the Jumanji reboot, and in it, The Rock's body is an avatar in the Jumanji video game. And so he spends the film mostly camping it up as like an awkward teenage boy, and it's surprisingly good. I recommend giving it a crack. Um, But at one point he has to kiss Karen Gillan, except they're both being awkward teenagers sharing their first kiss in adult bodies. And it goes horribly. I don't think they close their eyes. At one point, I think they're licking each other's faces. And it's really funny. It's not supposed to be sexy. So it's not weird or jarring to watch. But I'm not going crazy. It is weird, right? Overall, like try and think of another male actor in a similar category to The Rock. Like someone who does mainly action or comedy or some combination of the two and who is so frequently cast as a lead and who saves people and who on some level kind of ticks all of the boxes for being a bit hot, but who gets no on-screen action. Not even like a little bit of lip to cheek action, not even a quick peck, not even an implied quick peck. I can't think of one. I went over Vin Diesel's exploits earlier, but like Jason Statham, for example, is in a million films where the essence of his heroism is tied to saving and then bedding women, right? As an example, I looked at like a pile of Statham's movies that are in Netflix's collection, and just the top row has him kissing Jennifer Lopez and avenging the death of her girlfriend. Even when we reach back in the archives of action movie guys and we look at people like, I don't know, Jean-Claude Van Damme and like Arnold Schwarzenegger, they still had girls to kiss. It's even weirder when you consider The Rock's sexlessness in the context of the Fast and Furious franchise in particular. I'm sure most of you know about the no-loss agreement that the male cast have negotiated. Heaps of people have written about it, uh, particularly Vulture and The Wall Street Journal, To very quickly summarize, you may have noticed that in many of the more recent films from that franchise, particularly the ones where Statham, Diesel, and The Rock share a screen, that no one ever loses a fight. Vulture points out that even when you feel like there is a loss, like Jason Statham's character blowing up The Rock, it's still reframed as heroic because he gets blown up to save his partner. The Wall Street Journal is even more specific. Um, I'll give you the quote just to give you like the full idea of what is going on behind the scenes. According to the producers and crew members of the films, Mr. Statham negotiated an agreement with the studio that limits how badly he can be beaten up on screen. Mr. Diesel has his younger sister, a producer on the films, police the number of punches that he takes. And Mr. Johnson enlists producers, editors, and fight coordinators to help make sure that he always gives as good as he gets. This contractually negotiated pissing contest really says a lot about the way that these actors perceive themselves and their masculinity on screen. They have to fight in order to be able to achieve the ultimate goal of being the biggest and best boy on screen, but they also have to bend the very simple rules of a two-man fight – i.e. that someone has to lose, in order to maintain that big fancy best boy title. In my humble opinion, as someone who really likes watching shit blow up on screen, I think it makes for interesting fight choreography. Like how can you possibly bend what are again the extremely simple rules of a two-man fight 
in order to ensure that none of these big shiny lads loses. I don't know, but they've managed to do it for like four films in a row now. And there's something really interesting about these types of Hollywood portrayals of masculinity and heroism, particularly when you compare it to like Eastern action films. Kung Fu movies, for example, usually have the hero kind of learn a lesson through a particularly humiliating loss. And this loss sort of steals their resolve to learn more about their craft and hone their skills in order to ultimately triumph. American action films don't have that because the hero can never be flawed and he's certainly not mastering any craft. He already knows how to pulverize everything that gets in his way. And his only weakness is that he cares too much about doing the right thing. With no lesson to be learned by anyone, an ensemble cast has nowhere to go but into this, like, death spiral of everyone being the biggest and the best until you end up with a nine-movie franchise. And I can hear you saying, yeah, Alex, what could this possibly have to do with our friend Dwayne not having sex on screen? Fair, it's taken us a while to get here. I apologize. But here's the point. Somehow, Dwayne The Rock Johnson has managed to position himself as the purest of all on-screen heroes. Statham, Diesel, Van Damme, Schwarzenegger, they're all distracted by the charming feminine wiles, the wily feminine charms, of leading ladies. And yes, they might save them from big sharks, nuclear bombs, burning buildings, natural disasters and ambiguously Eastern European dudes with bad haircuts, but they also waste valuable minutes by pulling them into steamy embraces during key plot points. They're distracted from the ultimate mission. They cannot be Hollywood's most special boy because they are tarnished by sinful thoughts. The sluts. Dwayne, on the other hand, has never been distracted from the mission in his life. Sure, he may care too much, and the people he cares too much about might be women, but they are the good, average women of America. They are wives, or single mothers, or daughters, or law enforcement officials being framed by other corrupt law enforcement officials. And he doesn't want to kiss any of them, unless it's absolutely mission critical. This is what it takes to build the perfect American action hero, a big, sexless, strong muscle boy, like a large, violent doll, a sentient G.I. Joe. We might laugh at fragile masculinity on display as three dudes sort of posture over who can take which punch at what point in time, but part of me thinks it's almost refreshing that this posturing doesn't involve like a James Bond-esque fucking of everything with a pulse, you know? I think the sexlessness is actually key to The Rock's success. Big studio action movies are always like a junk heap of opinions because there are so many hands that touch the production from the script through to the casting through to the final cut. They're almost never saying something cohesive. And in trying social times, the escapism of big stupid blockbuster movies becomes an even stronger siren song. And the blank slate of The Rock's ultimate goodness is what keeps audiences coming back in huge numbers, even for the stuff that's basically hot garbage. Sorry, I really hated Baywatch. (laughs) Despite his huge size and enormous personal charm, we can rest assured that The Rock is not trying to fuck us. Or our wives. He just wants to save the world. 
or at the very least, a small American city. So that's the end. This was 100% an excuse for me to talk about my personal theory of Dwayne Johnson film canon. I once was sharing this theory with a friend of mine after a few wines and he interrupted me and said, Alex, I love you, but it's 1am and you're shouting and the neighbours can definitely hear you. (laughs) So I would say I'm a little bit invested in the RCU. That's the Rock Cinematic Universe. If you've got an opinion on the Rock's filmography, let me know about it next time you see me at the pub. Unless it's about the Mummy movies. I don't want to hear it.